And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. It's Friday! Wonderlings, time to celebrate. I'm your host, Angela Bowen, and you're listening to Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Today, I'll be reviewing Season 2, Episode 14, Brightwing, which aired on April 18th, 1989. In this episode, we get to see the brother-sister bond between Kevin and Karen, as she ropes him into being her messenger boy by having him drop off notes at the high school for her, and Kevin gets to discover his free spirit at quote-unquote the hill while hanging out with Karen and her hippie free-loving friends. The episode opens with Kevin explaining how in 1969 things were starting to become different and people were acting strangely as we see footage of the free love movement and Woodstock. I believe it might be Woodstock, maybe. Then we move on to the Arnold family dinner as we see Karen walking in with her John Lennon glasses, beads, and sporting a forehead band, pre-Cherry Johnson from Punky Brewster, along with a flower in her hair and wearing denim, which she seems to wear that uh, long denim shirt all the time. She sits down at the table and is welcomed by Wayne and Jack smirking as she looks at them over the top of her sunglasses like, WTFs, what's the, what's the big deal? I don't get it. This is how I normally dress. Oh yeah, you know, and I just had noticed when I was watching, it's like, she's got face paint on. It's like a flower painted on her cheek. In the next scene, we hear Norma complaining to Karen about her D in math. Norma tells her she's always been good at math, and Jack looks at her report card again, noting how there's going to be plenty of math on the SATs. Karen complains that geometry has nothing to do with life. Well, neither do a lot of school subjects, but you still do them so you can get into a good college. So, suck it up, buttercup. Suck it up. A D in math, Jack repeats disappointedly. You're not even listening to me, Karen complains and gets up from the table, heading to her room. As she heads to the kitchen, she passes Kevin in slow-mo, and in the process, she bumps his shoulder, causing milk to spill out of his glass onto his sweatshirt. Instead of apologizing, they both glare at each other, and they yell, Watch it! Then Karen disappears, I'm guessing maybe outside? Kevin tells us his relationship with Karen wasn't always like that, as the, as we are treated to a montage of young five-year-old Karen and two-year-old Kevin playing in her room. She's dressed in a cowboy outfit and puts her head on her little brother's head. Then she whispers into his ear as she as he smiles, then laughs. Next, she picks him up and swings him around. If you've noticed that this little boy looks familiar, it's because he's played by Eric Lloyd, who starred opposite Tim Allen in the Santa Claus movies, as well as Dunstan checks in. Kevin demonstrates just how far the divide between him and Karen has stretched their brother-sister bond when he opens her door to loud music pouring out of it, and he just looks at her until she looks up and asks for privacy, and he quickly shuts the door. My sister and I actually have a six-year age difference. She's the older one. 
We don't have a close bond as I would like because she had the added responsibility of having to look after me at a young age until I was 10 when she moved out at 16. You know, all of our cousins on our father's side seem to have amazing bonds and are close with their siblings. I mean, I can't help but feel a little envious of that. Even now, she's 40 and I'm almost 35. We don't talk much except for this uh, past Saturday night I called her and she just happened to be home. And we talked for like 20 minutes. Her kids are almost all grown, so I just called to check in and see how she's doing and how they're doing as well. So it was nice to be able to, I mean, call her and not have her say something like, oh, I'm busy, I can't talk right now, I got a lot of work to do with my job and stuff. She actually had the time to talk, so that made me feel good. The next day, Kevin and Paul are walking to the bus stop when a car pulls up alongside of them and tells them to get in. I'd be like, hell no, I don't know your ass. Us? Kevin points at himself and Paul in confusion. Then we see Karen's head pop into view in the car window. She tells them to get in and they need to talk to them. Kevin definitely is definitely confused since Karen ignores him around the house, but outside in public she wants a word. Excuse me. A girl in the backseat pops open the door and Paul eagerly hops in next to her. He's got the biggest excited grin on his face as he tells Kevin they should get in. He does, and then the car peels away from the sidewalk. The driver takes a corner a little too sharply as Kevin hangs onto the strap above the door or the side of the door for dear life, his face displaying sheer panic. He asks where they're going, and the girl driver turns around facing him, saying, says, going crazy, want to come? Karen tells him that they need a favor. She needs Kevin to drop off some notes in Tina Cesario's locker. At your school? Kevin asks in disbelief. First floor, end of the hall, 107, the driver tells him. Karen asks Kevin if he'll do it, and Kevin fires back, Why don't you do it? Can't. We won't be in school. Be like, why the fuck not? The girl in the backseat grins at Paul as she tells him they'll be taking one of their free days. A free day, Kevin says, sarcastically not buying it. Even he's not buying into their shit lie. I never had free days in school. I can tell you that much right now. The girl driver tells him it's kind of like an independent study course. They all take it. Kevin tells them he thinks he doesn't want to do it, and the girl next to Paul says, Come on, be cool. And then Paul chimes in, Yeah, Kevin, be cool. He is so enamored with that girl, that Paul. <clears throat> Kevin asks... What if somebody stops me? Karen tells him no one will stop him because no one pays attention. But if it's a teacher, say you're getting your books. If it's a student, tell them it's none of their business. Yeah, right, Karen. You think no one in that school isn't going to notice a kid who's half their size and someone they've never seen before? Kevin's still unconvinced. He tells her, I don't know. That's when Karen pulls out the big guns as she talks off, as she takes off her glasses and says, Just this once, do it for me. Okay, Kevy? She calls him Kevy, probably what she called him when they were little. That's a low blow there. Uh. 
Turns out that works on Kevin, who just smiles shyly, telling him, Okay, but just this once. We see Kevin in the hallway of the high school as he envisions the kids to be ten feet tall and towering over him. He finds the locker and just as he's pushing the note inside, a guy comes up to, at, to him and asks Kevin if he needs some help. Kevin nervously looks at him, trying to determine whether this guy is a student or a teacher and finally settles on none of your business. And the guy just kind of like, oh, okay, and walks away. Back in the car, they all congratulate Kevin on a job well done, saying things like, You did it? I can't believe you actually did it. And you are so cool. Kevin excitedly asks, So, where do we go now? Um, hold on a second. Sorry, they're at a coughing fit for a second. Okay. And we see their car pull up in front of their uh, of the boys' school. The girls tell them they have one minute to get to class. Wayne asks Kevin later on where he and Karen Car- asks Kevin where he and Karen went in Julie's car that morning, that night at dinner. Well, Kevin and Wayne, I believe, do ride the bus together, so he probably saw Kevin and Paul get inside the car. Norma takes over the interrogation, asking Karen if she gave Kevin a ride, and Karen says, sure. Norma asks, to where? And Karen says, to school. Kevin nervously agrees, and Norma tells Karen, that was nice of you. Then Wayne mentions how you didn't go to school right away, though. Karen then spins this yarn of a story about how Julie's car was sputtering because it was low on gas, and they thought they could make it to a gas station. And then that's when they saw Kevin and Paul, and her friend Sandy tells her to pick them up in case they need to push. And they finally make it to the gas station where Karen mentions a cute gas station attendant was there, and they talked for a while. Then they dropped Kevin and Paul off at school. Then Karen turns to Kevin for validation of her story, and Kevin agrees. Basically, yeah, that's what happened. For a second, it looks like Norma isn't going to believe their story, but she ends up telling them that they were lucky they weren't late for school. Jack complains, asking why in the hell Julie was driving around with no gas in her car. A couple of instances where I ran out of of gas driving my Oldsmobile Chiva back in 2001 actually happened on my 19th birthday, and I ended up asking the lady in the house where my car had died out in front. I asked if I could use her phone, and I called my grandpa to come, you know, bring me a tank of gas so I could put gas in my car, or a gas container or whatever. So, I mean, and this was right in my hometown of Lowell, so Lowell's, like, really, really small. And the lady was nice enough to let me use her phone. This is kind of pre- I did not have a cell phone in 2001, so. I haven't done that since. However, I did drive until the gas light came on recently and got gas right away. Otherwise, I usually fill up my tank when it's, like, either under half a tank or there's, like, maybe a quarter left. Norma even tells Jack that they should give Karen money to chip in for gas. Then Karen gets up and announces she has homework and leaves to her room. How often is she skipping school? I mean, does she even know what her homework is? I never skipped a whole day. Usually it was a couple classes in the morning, like my keyboarding class or my child development class or whatever it was. And I'd roll in around 10. That's probably why I lost my driving privileges and had to ride the bus to school most of my senior year.
until I got a job halfway through my senior year, I think in April, well, my senior year is just about over with, but I was lucky enough to get my driving privileges back so I could drive to school and go to my job after. I remember one time during high school, I had uh, actually skipped a full day to stay home and watch a Lifetime movie back in the late 90s. This was before DVR. So basically, my bus would like go down this one road and then turn down mine, but then they would come back around going down that same road, but then going right instead of left. So I had the option that I could just say, oh, I don't feel good. Can I get off here, you know, before they made the turn? And then I just walk, you know, up the road like a quarter mile to my house. So I only did that once, by the way. <laughs> I know, kind of dumb. Karen, uh, Kevin opens Karen's bedroom door as we hear Indian sitar music playing and Karen working on some art drawings. Now, is this really homework for art class or is she just doodling? Kevin makes himself at home in her high-backed wicker chair and plays with a record as he tells her how impressed he was with her story she told her parents. Especially how they bought it about the whole gas gauge thing. She tells them they never listen. Kevin tries to engage Karen in conversation, saying how today was fun, how he can't believe the high school lockers are the same size as the ones in junior high. He asks her where she really went today, and she's not really in the mood to converse with him, and when she looks up, she tells him, you know, be careful, because with her record, because he's kind of, like, bending the cover, like, back and forth as he's holding it, and then she asks him if he's got homework to do. Basically telling him to leave. He takes the hint and goes. <clears throat> so, you used him and then you want when... Okay. So, you used him. And then, now when you're at home, you want nothing to do with him. Come on, that's, that's mean. Like, I'm not going to acknowledge you publicly from now on until you acknowledge me privately. I mean, mm, oh, anyway... The following week, he and Paul are walking to the bus stop and are stopped once again by Karen and her friends. Paul once again hops right in the back seat, urging Kevin to do the same. Karen tells him they need another favor. He tells him, no wait, I already did you a favor last week. She tells him it's really important. He looks at them in the car and tells them, you're going to get in trouble. He informs Karen that their parents are going to find out she's ditching school. Julie tells Karen that Kevin's not as cool as they thought. I'd be like, you know what, get Paul to be your lackey. Why do you technically need Kevin? Paul is right there. Just use him. He, I don't think, would mind. <clears throat> Kevin's all like, fine. I'm not cool. He's like, I don't care. He's not buying any of their bullshit. Karen looks at Kevin and tells him, it's okay. You don't have to do it. I understand. Kevin just stands there, unsure. Then finally he caves and says, Let's go. As we see Kevin walking the hall of high school, of the high school, he thinks to himself of being a sucker, a stooge, and a pushover to be doing this again. Maybe there's a good reason as to why Karen is ditching school. And then he finds out when he reads the note asking Tina to meet the other girls this afternoon at the hill. So do Karen and her friends spend all day 
all school day at the hill, but Tina must be an upstanding student if she's going to her classes and just going after school. Why can't the other girls do this? Just go to your classes and then head to the hill after school. In the next scene, we see Kevin riding his bike to the hill. Where does he know where it's at? And did the note have directions? Is this the only big hill in all of it, wherever he lives? He sees Karen painting on a rock as the other kids are playing a guitar or reaching a level of enlightenment because seriously, they've got to be on something. As we see the way Karen greets Kevin in a minute here. As Kevin makes his way over, he overhears the girl sitting on the rock above Karen compliment her artwork, calling her Brightwing. Kevin mouths, Brightwing? Like, huh? I noticed this picture is... Looks like the one she was drawing in her room that had wings on it. Is that what she's painting on the rock? Hey! Kevin calls out to her, clearly pissed. I'd be pissed too, coming in for her so she can ditch school and come out to this hill and paint on a rock? A rock? Fuck no! He goes to confront her, and then she jumps up and wraps him in a hug. Seriously, though, I think she must be high. She had this big, gooby grin on her face. Her response time in answering him was slow. She swings him around, and they laugh and fall down together. It is cute, but the sad part is, I don't think it's really genuine. She's just using him to do her bidding, and he's eating it up because he just wants him brother to sister time. As we see in the next scene as Kevin's once again walking through the hall of the high school, chomping on a fist-sized wad of gum. He mentions how Wednesday mornings are becoming routine. Okay, so it's only on Wednesdays that she skips. Okay, so it's not every day. The guy from day one says hey to Kevin and introduces himself as George Finch. And Kevin introduces himself. Ooh, uh, bad move there, Kev. Now he knows your la your name, especially your last name being Arnold, same as Karen's. Uh-oh. After school, Kevin heads up to the hill to join, join Karen and her friends. Now we get a montage of Kevin hanging out. He's playing someone's guitar, swinging on the rope swing, meditating on a rock, and Karen paints flowers on Kevin's cheeks. Kevin thinks how much fun he's having being a little kid hanging out with the big kids, and almost like they're treating him like an equal. I guess Paul's getting jealous because he calls Kevin to ask if he's avoiding him, and Kevin tells him no. When Kevin gets off the phone, Wayne asks what's on his nose. Kevin stalls for an answer. Just tell him you are picking at a scab on your nose and it's dried blood, even though it's actually orange paint. He finally comes up with finger painting in art class and laugh. Wayne laughs in his face, telling him, Finger painting? <laughs> Kevin, that's for five-year-olds. Kevin tells him that's the idea. It's an experiment. And Wayne just looks at him with mock interest, telling him, Oh, please continue. It's so fascinating. All this time, Norma's not even listening, and Kevin is saved from Wayne's interrogation when Norma asks him to get her a band-aid after she cuts her finger. Wayne was eating a raw carrot in this scene. Who eats raw carrots? I'm not even a fan of soft carrots. Baby carrots with three cheese ranch? Yes, please. But raw carrots and soft carrots? Blech, no, thank you. Kevin worries how he's lying to his mother, thinking how she's spilling her own blood to make his dinner. And Norma calls to him, asking if he's okay, snapping him out of his dreamlike state. She tells him 
It's just a little cut. I'll be fine. Kevin looks over his shoulder to the little yellow TV in the kitchen as he imagines Jack and Norma in police outfits catching on to his and Karen's activities on the hill. Kevin opens the door wearing war paint and a necktie wrapped around his head. This is seriously great comedic acting from Dan Laria and Allie Mills, who play his parents, as they are supposed to act all authoritative and then burst out laughing maniacally. I thought, you don't see that between them as characters because that's not their personality. So to see them acting differently, oh my goodness, I find it funny. Kevin wakes up in a panic from his nightmare. Oh my god, so he was dreaming this. Okay. Everything comes to a head the next night as the family is watching TV. Kevin's sitting next to Jack on the couch, bending something that he ends up breaking. I wonder what it was. I thought at first I thought it was like just a strap, a leather strap he was bending. But it breaks almost like wood. Like, what was that? When Norma comes in and asks Karen if something happened at school. Karen tells her no. And then Norma comments on, how's your math coming along? Karen tells her, fine, you know, I'm working on it right now, in fact. Judging by the look on Norma's face, she knows that Karen is lying to her. Norma then drops the bomb that she got a call from her guidance counselor. Karen's guidance counselor named, dun dun dun, George. The guy who kept stopping Kevin in the hall. You know, I thought that guy looked like an authority figure. He did not look like a student. He looked to be maybe in his early 20s. Norma asks if Karen knows him, and Karen says, Oh, yeah, yeah, he's real cute. He looks like a student. Norma clarifies, George Finch? Norma mentions how George has called her to a conference with him, and Jack's ears prick up, asking what kind of conference. Norma tells him, Well, I don't know. He said, We'll discuss it tomorrow when they meet. All this time she's looking at Karen like she's hoping Karen will cave and fess up. Jack again asks what this is all about and Karen tells him, I don't know, Dad. Maybe he wants to talk about my future. Or maybe my life. I'm going to play this clip of how enraged Karen gets. Actually, I want to play the whole clip. Just so, um, you know, between them all and then this boils down to Karen just yells at her parents. Well, everyone's worried about what's going to happen to poor little Karen as she storms out of the living room. So, um, the whole time all this is going on, Kevin is getting more and more stressed about being found out. Jack tells Norma he's coming to that conference. So I'm going to play that clip and I will be right back. And then, the next night, it happened. Um, Karen? Is something wrong at school? I don't think so. Why? How's your math coming? Fine. I'm doing it now. Whew. False alarm. Just a homework nudge. I just got a uh, call from a guidance counselor. A George something. Did she say George? Do you know him? Yeah. Yeah, he's cute. He's young. He looks like a student. George Finch. He wants me to come in for a conference tomorrow. What kind of conference? I'm not sure. He said we'd discuss it tomorrow. What's this all about? I have no idea, Dad. Maybe he wants to talk about my future. Maybe he wants to talk about my life. 
Isn't that what everyone around here likes to talk about? What's gonna happen to poor Karen? Wow, another great performance. Maybe she could pull it off. Anyway, now was not the time to panic. Coming with you to that conference. Now was the time to panic. Kevin bursts into Karen's room and tells her they have to confess before their parents find out what they've been up to when they go to the conference. Karen's now all chill and tells Kevin that their parents are not the sun and the moon. They're regular people like them. How is she all calm after her rage attack in the living room? Karen tells Kevin it'll be fine and asks if he trusts her. And he asks her to promise not to cut school anymore and to promise to stop going to the hill. She immediately tells him, okay. I'd be like, no, you have to swear. Swear on our parents' lives. Because you know she did not mean a word of that. Really? You promise? Kevin says incredulously. He smiles like it was that easy that she agreed with him. No school, no hill, she tells him. Everything's going to be just fine, Kevy. She smiles at him and he beams back at her. Like, I'm lying through my teeth and you're eating up every word of it because you have that much faith in me. That's sad. Later that night at 2.30 in the morning, Jack is on the phone trying to figure out where Karen went to, calling Julie's father, having failed when calling her other friend, Sandy. Then he asks who the hell Tina is when her name comes up. Like, is yeah, it's like uh, Karen's other friend. Like, uh, did you try to Tina? And he's like, who the hell is Tina? Like, great. They can't keep track of Karen's friends. They're all over the place. Karen comes in and, oh my goodness, guys. Why do they have to name their children with two names that start with the letter K? Kevin comes in and tries to tell them that Karen is at the hill with their friends. Because, okay, she would not be there at 2.30 at night, Kevin. But he says she's there with her friends because he's been helping her cut school. He's kind of mumbling this. like, And Jack's, Jack's preoccupied on the phone. Telling Julie's father to check the garage for Julie's car. And then Julie's father comes on and tells them that Julie left a note. Jack hangs up the phone, turns to Norma, and tells her that Karen and Julie have run away or left for San Francisco. Norma asks quietly, they've run away? Jack puts a reassuring hand on her shoulder as he tells her he'll put on some coffee. Kevin lays in bed as he wonders what happened to Karen and if he'll ever see her again. Then the scene flashes back to the other flashbacks from the beginning of the episode, which are pretty much the same flashbacks. When Karen and Kevin were young and spending time together, their bond, which was once so strong. Kevin wakes up to the slam of car door and walks into the hallway as he looks on as Karen sits in the dining room with her parents and cries out her fears and frustrations as they offer their sympathy and understanding. Kevin meets Karen's eyes when she looks up and he smiles at her lovingly. And then she kind of... I don't say she smiles, but it's just like that a moment like passes between them. So, alright, that's the end of the episode. Time for my Flower Power episode rating. 
I am giving it three out of five flower power petals. One, for the flashback of Kevin and Karen when they were younger, showing us their strong bond compared to present day. Two, for Kevin and Karen bonding at the hill. I thought it was kind of cute. Three, for the sweet scene between Karen and her parents and the look that was shared between Karen and Kevin at the end. I knocked off two flower power petals for, one, the whole going back to school to drop off notes. I mean, we saw that like three times. They really dragged the episode down with that. While I enjoyed the message of the bonds of siblinghood, this episode kind of fell flat for me. This is my second reason for knocking a flower power petal off. It fell flat for me, be especially because we'll get this again in Season 3, Episode 22 in Daddy's Little Girl when Karen prepares to graduate and turn 18. We get it. She's rebellious. She has a difficult relationship with Jack, although this episode was more Kevin and Karen focused. The uh, Daddy's Little Girl is going to be centered more on the father-daughter relationship between, you know, Karen and... And, but then again, if you think about it, think back to season one, episode four, Angel, when she brings home that that jerk of a guy, that free-loving hippie who totally slams on Jack for being in Korea and everything. That, it's like, we understand this relationship. We've seen it played out. Why do we gotta try to bring it back full circle again? I don't know. I honestly, if I had to go through those three episodes, I would say up to that point, Daddy's Little Girl would probably be my favorite of the three when it comes to Jack and Karen's relationship. I mean, we're gonna see more of that as as the show kind of develops, and you know, once Karen moves away to college and everything, we're gonna get that in another episode called. The house that Jack built, which tensions really come to a high there between the two of them. But, moving on. My wondering words of wisdom. What I got from this episode, it focused primarily on the bond of siblings and how even though they had grown apart over the years, they were still there for each other. Even though my sister and I don't have the best relationship, we didn't have the best relationship growing up. I think because of the added responsibility that she had to watch me all the time. Because my dad was always working and my mom was... She wasn't in the... She was out of the house. She was mentally and physically unable to, to care for us. So this responsibility of watching me went to my sister. Who was, at the time... Well, she was 12 when I was 6. So she was a teenager, or early teens, right a bit around there. So I feel, I feel bad looking back on it that she had to have that responsibility at such a young age that we couldn't have had. If things had been different, we might have had a closer relationship. I, I really don't know. I, you know, I, I wish we could have. But the one memory that I have... That I really, really treasure, because it means a lot to me, because there are so few of these. The one memory I have is when our mother passed away from lupus 15 years ago. 
I was at the visitation, you know, before the funeral, we have the visitation where people come in and, you know, the, the coffin is there and everything, the, the viewing, I think it's called. And I remember when I walked in there and I saw my mother lying there in her coffin and she had, you know, makeup done and I don't think I'd ever seen her look so beautiful in my life. I broke down. I I started to oh my I lost it. Before I, I you know, my tears, I was crying so much I couldn't even see in front of me. And all of a sudden these arms wrapped around me and it was my sister. And she held me and we both cried. I felt so close to her then. United in sisterhood and grief together. You know, I mean, I just think about that as being one of those times. And the only other time I can think about in the future that that would be is when our grandmother would pass. Because we're both close to our grandmother, our father's mother. And, you know, our dad. That will be a big one, too. Because it'll just be the two of us out of our four family members when that day happens. And I, I don't want to think about it, but... How can you not? You know, those things are inevitable, but I always treasure that memory because, like I said, that's one of the few that I have of her and I together. Alright, here's my quote of the episode. I didn't sleep. I laid there thinking about what had happened to Karen. To me. To all of us. About how big the world is. And how full of strangers. And how I might never see my sister again. In 1969, people tried so hard to find themselves. Sometimes they got lost. Sometimes they found their way home again. I think these end of the episode quotes, I think I love the best out of some of the other... I mean, because I get them from a... Uh, I think it's wiki quotes I get them from. But the end of the ones, the narration, and these are pretty much all narration all the time. He just has so much wise words of wisdom. And they just, they stay with you. And they really make you think. But. Alright, let's give a shout out to some new Wonderling listeners of the week. Now, if I mispronounce, or if I can't even pronounce it, period, I'm just going to say the state or country, because I would rather do that than butcher it. Alright, Galoop, New, um, <laughs> New Mexico, sorry about that, right out the gate, I'm already, <laughs> Mount Sinai, New York, Brennard, it almost looks like brain nerd, but um, I'm guessing that's mm, that Minnesota or Montana. I think MN is Minnesota. Columbus, Ohio. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Peru. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Israel. Muskegon, Michigan. Orlando, Florida. St. Petersburg, Florida. Crawfordsville, Indiana. Butler, Missouri, Paris, France, El Paso, Texas, Chandler, Arizona, Bakersfield, California, Overland Park, 
Kansas, Mercer Island, Washington, Amsterdam, Netherlands, oh my goodness, Wareham, Maine, and Mountain View, California. And to all you other listeners out there, thanks again for listening. I want to give a sincere thank you to all the listeners out there, whether you listen to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or any other listening platforms that you may use to hear this podcast. I love giving you guys the episode recaps of the Wonder Years every week. Joining me as I go into full detail as we reminisce of days gone by with Kevin and his friends Paul and Winnie and the rest of the Arnold family, as well as giving my occasional running commentary and childhood stories. Now, to stay connected to this podcast, you can visit my many social media sites, Facebook page, Looking Back at My Wonder Years and Wonder Years Podcast, Instagram, LBOM Wonder Years Podcast, Twitter, Wonder Years Pod. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if there are any other people that enjoy the Wonder Years, tell them about this podcast because I have so much fun doing this. Also, um, if you check my social media sites, which I do my best to list them at the bottom of the show notes in the description on SoundCloud and iTunes. And the links are also available on the SoundCloud account as well. So you hit the link, it takes you right to it. Weekly, I do trivia and listener questions. So if you'd like a shout out on the podcast, all you got to do is answer them. All right, well, join me next Friday, August 18th, when I review Season 2, Episode 15, Square Dance. This, guys, this is one of my all-time favorite episodes, not just of Season 2, but of the show in general. This episode aired on May 2nd, 1989. In this episode, Square Dance, the gym class is engaging in square dancing, and Kevin is paired up with Margaret Farquaad, the strangest girl in 7th grade. While Margaret enjoys spending time with Kevin, her presence makes Kevin weary of his junior high image. How shallow, Kevin. How shallow. Wow. You know, when I was looking at the dates between that and um, the Brightwing episode, from April 19th, which Brightwing had aired on that date, to May 2nd, that's what, two weeks between episodes? They must have taken a small little break there. Alright, well, Wonderlings, we have one episode left after next Friday's episode. After that, we do the Forgotten episode that was chosen by the fans, Season 2, Episode 7, Coda. Then we do a Season 2 wrap-up. Since we already covered Season 2, Episode 17, the finale, How I'm Spending My Summer Vacation, and Season 3, Episode 1, Summer Song, and the June 21st Summer Episode uh, podcast, special so we're going to be moving on from that and when I do start up season 3 it's going to be I believe September September 15th so I'm taking a little week off to get everything prepared to start up season 3 with season 3 episode 3 Wayne on Wheels which I like that episode too that's a funny episode that is another that's another brothers bonding thing between Wayne and Kevin, which we saw one in the episode here. Oh my goodness, the indigestion. I'm so sorry. Which we saw in the season two episode, Hiroshima Monfrere. So, 
I just I I like these episodes, you know, especially when Kevin gets paired up with one of the family members for an episode, and we get to see that bond between them and the acting between Fred Savage and whichever uh, character or actor he's playing off of. I love that. I love the one-on-one. All right, time for my special announcement. I have two themed Wonder Years episodes coming out. September 4 is Labor Day, so I'll be reviewing Season 4, Episode 1, Growing Up, which aired on September 19th, 1990. Yes, I am jumping ahead of season, but I love to do themed episodes on the day of the holiday. With the end of summer approaching, the Arnolds decide to attend Jack's Labor Day work picnic for NORCOM. When it is learned that Jack was passed over for a promotion that goes to one of his rivals, tensions grow high between him and Kevin, who wants to prove that he is no longer a little kid. Don't we all want to prove that when we're young? Especially when we get to that age, about 12, 13. We're like, I'm not a little kid anymore. You kind of still are, (laughs) but even so. Also, September 5th. Which will probably be the first day of school for a lot of kids going back to school. Unless they've already gone back in like August. I am doing a back to school special edition. With three back to school episodes. Season 3 episode 2 math class which aired on October 10, 1989. Kevin is having problems in his new math class. And he thinks that it's because his teacher is being completely unreasonable. And this is where we get to meet the teacher who he and Kevin will have a great teacher-student relationship. Mr. Um, hold on a second, I'll look it up. Alright, I didn't even have to look it up, it just came to me. It was Mr. Collins. Mr. I am really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to their relationship. It's going to be great. Alright, then... The second episode of the Back to School special, we have Season 4, Episode 2, Ninth Grade Man, which aired on September 26, 1990. On his first day of the ninth grade, Kevin is bullied out of his locker, humiliated by Becky Slater, his ex, scheduled for the wrong class, how does that happen, meets a new girl who diverts his attention away from thinking of Winnie Cooper, who is now at a different school. And the final of the three back-to-school episodes, Season 5, Episode 2, Day 1, which aired on October 9th, 1991. On his first day of high school, Kevin quickly realizes that it is not quite the same as junior high where he knew everyone and he was the high man on the totem pole. Well, I guess, if you want to think you are. <laughs> he is followed by an annoying classmate. Oh, Stuart's not that bad. He's bullied by Wayne. Oh, boy. His own brother, man. And picked on by an egotistical teacher. Isn't that the worst? Alright, we will kick off Season 3 on September 15th with Season 3, Episode 3, Wayne on Wheels, which aired on October 24th, 1989. Alright there, Wonderlings, have a great weekend, and we will meet again, same place, same time, next Friday. Alright, have a great weekend. Enjoy the sun if it's out today. 
August, last day, last month of summer. Enjoy it, because you know, two months from now, it's going to start getting colder. It's going to be sweatshirt weather. Um, I also wanted to mention, I'm thinking next year, um, I'm going to be in season four, and my goal, definitely, I want to shoot for this. My goal is to be finished with the Wonder Years podcast and end it with the July 4th episode series finale on July 4th. So I'm going to shoot for that, alright? I'm going to do what I can to shoot for that. Because that would be an awesome time to end the show on. So, alrighty-righty. As I said, see you next time. Same place, same time. Fridays. Bye-bye. Thank you.